everyone, and welcome to 7 Mile Chats, a podcast where each week I, Julia Struckley, talk with someone about a scripture verse of their choosing, and we look at that scripture from different angles. I'm a scripture teacher at a Catholic school, I've been a youth minister, and I have a master's in theology, but the purpose of this podcast is just to have a conversation about scripture and try to apply it to today's world. And today I'm walking and talking with someone I've not yet met in person, but we met recently on Podmatch, which is something I'm excited to try and use to find new guests. She is a writer, and she has published memoirs entitled In His Footsteps, and she ran the Amazing Bible Timeline, AmazingBibleTimeline.com, for 20 years, and I'm excited to check that out and chat more with her about that. It's Margaret Agard. Welcome, Margaret. Hi, Julia. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. What uh, what else would you like to share with our listeners about yourself? Maybe where you're from? Oh, all over. Actually, Mm -hmm. um, currently Florida, which is... I'm not happy in Florida, but we're older and my husband really likes no snow. So yeah, <laughs> we once lived in Haynes, Alaska and we had eight feet of snow. So we had tunnels to our house. So he's happy to be where there's no snow. Oh my goodness. How long were you in Alaska, did you say? Almost two years. Really liked okay. it. I loved Alaska. He loved Alaska, but it's too far away. Yeah. And where did you all meet or where are you from originally? We actually met online back in 1997. And the nice thing about him is, yeah, they didn't have pictures then because everybody was using dial-up. Remember that? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You've got mail. So so most of them, when you got on, would say, first thing they said was, will you mail me a picture? But he never asked for a picture. Um, he asked me oh, to marry him before he even knew what I looked like. I mean, what man does that? I know, a man of courage. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. You guys are like the original, like the OGs of internet dating. That's amazing. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. um, well, I'm excited to have you here. And we've decided to talk about Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9. So whenever you are ready, I'd like you to read that for us. Which um, translation are you going to be using today? I, I'm going to use King James because that's the one I was using when I first ran into this. Um, In Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, he says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Okay, great. So I'm going to give a little bit of background of where we're at in Isaiah. We've talked about Isaiah, I think, a couple times on my first season. Um, But Isaiah is a major prophetic book, which just means that it's one of the longer prophetic books in the Bible and the Old Testament. The book of Isaiah is divided into three major sections. And the prophet Isaiah is um, attributed to have written much of the first part, which we call First Isaiah. But this passage that you've picked in Isaiah chapter 55 is at the end of Second Isaiah and is generally attributed to an anonymous poet who prophesied toward the end of the Babylonian exile. We've talked about the Babylonian exile before, but that's when people of Judah were cast out from their their home. And we can talk more about that if you'd like. But um, this passage is also in a section entitled An Invitation to Grace, which I love. And I can't wait to chat with all the possibilities that we can pull from that title. But um, my first question for you, Margaret, is why did you pick this passage? Why did I choose this particular passage? I... I had an experience with this passage that I've ended up using it over and over. And before your, you know, this interview, I actually thought, you know, I should see what other commentaries say about this. There's what I got mm-hmm. out of it, and then there's what you know other ministers and people say. And one of them had implied that this was really being written not to, um, you know, at that point the Israelites, but was being written to the 
unrighteous people. And mm. I thought, oh, is that true? But then I started thinking, you know, Christ considered anyone unrighteous who who wasn't listening to him, who wasn't following his path. You know, he, he said to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. He said, you're more interested in what men are thinking than what God are thinking at one point. And so I decided, yes, I am correct in looking at the scripture as when God is saying to me, you, you're not giving this an eternal viewpoint. You're too mm. focused on mm-hmm. the non-eternal. I had a, well, I was young and I was in my first marriage and um, my husband, he was bipolar. He had a hard time getting and keeping a job. And this was years ago. And during the 1970s, there were three recessions in, 19, in the 1970s. People tend to forget that, that some of us went through some pretty tough times in our early married years. And at the time, we had three children, age one, two, and three. And so I started praying to Heavenly Father and saying, I need a special blessing. I hadn't learned to be specific with my prayers at that time. So I just Mm -hmm. kept praying for this special blessing. And what I meant by special blessing was my husband would get and keep a good job. That's what Mm -hmm. I was praying for. And after a few days of this praying and even fasting and praying, I felt this sense of peace come over me and a reassurance in my heart that my prayers had been heard and I was going to have a special blessing. And then I heard, you are going to have another baby. And I thought, seriously, we can't even feed the ones we have. Like, what are you thinking? (laughs) That was my immediate reaction. (laughs) And at that point, I was, you know, I read my scriptures every day. And I happened to be in Isaiah when I came across this verse for, you know, my thoughts aren't your thoughts and my ways aren't your Mm -hmm. ways because mine are Mm -hmm. higher than yours. And, you know, it's all turned out fine. Um, I, we eventually had eight children. Six of them have master's degrees. They're all doing fine. We, mm-hmm. we got through that time. But it taught me to try to see things more from God's viewpoint. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can't imagine. I can get so I think this passage is is great. We can get so much from it. And especially something like you, you just shared about another child. Like if that's not part of your your plan or, you know, your thoughts, I can see how that that might throw you, you know, for sure, because that's a huge thing, because we can apply this to so many different things. But but certainly that having a child, you know, that can totally so having a child, and I'm thinking we don't have enough money for the ones we have. That was kind of like, um, have you forgotten it takes money to live down here? I mean, I'm all about putting you first, but still. So when you were doing the amazing Bible timeline, what did you learn about Isaiah? Can I ask? Like, what do you know anything about this? Like in context, where we're at? Yes. Well, because at the time I was unaware, as you were aware and teach, mm-hmm. was that the Bible wasn't, you know, it starts out in an order. It's very orderly. Like here's Genesis, everything's happening in order. I wasn't aware that the books of the Bible were arranged more by length from the longest to the shortest, at least especially the prophets from like Isaiah to Malachi or in the mm-hmm. New Testament. You know, the letters from Paul on down, is it's not necessarily the order in which they were written. So to find out that Isaiah, which is at the beginning of the prophets in the Bible, at least the Bible I use, mm-hmm. it was actually at the end of mm-hmm. the Old Testament times was, first of all, news to me. And then mm-hmm. that his writings um, 
although, as you said, it might be attributed to more than one person, spanned mm-hmm. quite a long time frame, quite yeah, a exactly. number of kings. And yes. Yeah. So I'm trying to, as I mentioned, I, it, this particular part is probably from that Babylonian exile period. And so I always try to think about like the context, right? So like if we're, if the, if the Israelites are, or the people of Judah, because Israel at this point in time is divided into the Northern tribes and then uh, the people of Judah in the Southern, um, I'm trying to put, put myself like in this position. Like if I were going through this period of exile, this would probably be comfort comforting to me, just like you mentioned with your family and how this relates to you all. Like if I'm hearing being taken from my home, which is probably not part of my plan and probably not part of my thoughts, you know, that my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. It would give me probably some comfort, but also kind of like, okay, God, but like, <laughs> just like you were thinking too, but like, how, how, how am I going to do all of this? You know, I don't know if you want to respond to any of that. Yes, I, it is true. It, it, it did give me comfort to think, well, this is part of mm-hmm. the plan and right. there must be a way we can do it if it's mm-hmm. part of Plan, then there must be a way and mm-hmm. there must be something. Do you know what it really did for me? A lot of other people thought we shouldn't still be having kids. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there were plenty of people who thought, why are you doing this? Uh, my thought, I got two things from that. One is that if God said this is what needs to be, then this is what's going to be. And it's of him. And it also made me less judgmental about other people because mm-hmm. I had no idea where God was taking them and why mm-hmm. they might be going through the struggles they were going through or mm-hmm. doing things that at the time I thought were strange. You know, like Paul, mm-hmm. he says, I, I look to the world as if I'm foolish. And so that was part of what it gave me during that time was the ability to say, have you ever had that experience, Julia? Yeah, I'm trying to think right now. I, I mean, I think this is Every guest that I interview, you know, it's a lot of people I haven't met, too. I I find that the verse that they bring, though, is something that I am supposed to hear and that I'm supposed to meditate on. And so I'm sitting here thinking, how can I relate to this? And I I certainly can. I mean, there... I am um, a single person and um, I'm 40. I just had my 40th birthday this year. So I've uh, kind of always been discerning, like, you know, it's just not the normal path, I think, for a lot of people. Our society says, you know, to get married, to have kids, as you're describing. And that just hasn't been the path that God has put for me. Um, I discerned religious life in my 20s for a while. So I actually lived in a convent for a minute. <laughs> and then um, in my 30s, I, I I left the convent. I was only there for like a year. And then in my 30s, I really found teaching. And so I've been a teacher for 12 years. And that's really been given me a lot of like, like my vocation, I feel like is my call is to teach. But that single piece has always kind of been like I've described, you mentioned Paul, like my thorn in my side, just kind of like it's not what maybe society thinks is normal and maybe not what I had planned for myself, but for whatever reason, right. God has. So that's kind of how I can relate to this passage, I feel, at least in one way. I think there's many ways, like I said before, that we can relate to this. But that's my my kind of connection or take on this. And, you know, in today, well, I'm trying to think what to compare it to often Often I feel uh, I get my answers from God and he then gives me proof, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So once Mm -hmm. I was praying about, you know, what to do at this point, I was a single mother, what I needed to do. And the answer I got was, uh, and I had a lot of teenagers at home and they all were involved in, in, you know, part-time jobs and sports and all kinds of activities after school. And it was have dinner with your children every night. And so I'm trying to do this. And I was like, well, they're not even here. I'm not even sure how to do that. 
And it was whoever's there, make sure you have dinner at the same time. And everybody who, anybody who's there sits down with you and you have dinner every night. And of course we had Sunday dinner and, and um, a lot of families do Saturday breakfast, something like that. Well, then years later, after I was told to do that, I came across a study that said they had one of the things they had looked at with families and what made strong families was how often they had meals together during the week. Mm-hmm. And the cutoff point was five. Like people who had five or more meals together as a family, their children were less likely to get involved in drugs. They were uh, had got better grades. And so I thought, oh, <laughs> I don't know why God told me to do that. Well, I mean, I did then, but at the time it was just, I'm not sure why we're doing it, but we'll do it. This to me was one of those things where he can see what I can't see. And mm-hmm. he looks ahead where I can't look ahead. Mm-hmm. And so I, I often go to him with anything I have a question about and say, from the way I'm looking at it, this makes sense. How is it that you're seeing it? Yeah, this passage for me kind of reminds me of something from 1 Samuel 16, um, the famous verse about, he's talking about David, um, the author of 1 Samuel is describing David and how David doesn't look like the king or the, you know, doesn't look like much right. to anoint at the time. <laughs> but um, God says to Samuel, like, I, I, I don't see as men see, I know the heart. And this verse kind of gives me that kind of vibe. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just like the ways are not my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. It kind of reminds me of that passage from First Samuel. I don't know if you see that as well. I do. I do. It is that. And oh my gosh, we'd be getting off topic. But That's okay. I, at <laughs> one point, I had this 15 year old son who was just the most arrogant, mm-hmm. mouthy kid. And mm-hmm. I thought, I love him because I'm his mom, but I don't right. like him much. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I felt again, Heavenly Father's like, you. I want you to pray to see him as I see him. Mm-hmm. And so I did. I started praying. Help me to see this young man as you see this young man. And mm-hmm. so a few days later, because God can be pretty quick. I was at my mom's house looking through, like she had a stack of women's magazines, like Woman's Day and Good Housekeeping and stuff like that. I'm kind of flipping through and I come across this story that reminded me of something that had happened in my son's um, junior high, middle school. There had been a young man who had accused a favorite popular coach of acting inappropriately with him. And he had been pilloried by the students in the school. And they had all over town, they had people raising money to defend this popular coach against this young man who, you know, supposedly was a liar. And he had on his desk, he said that in this, in the article that he had on his desk, this one framed piece of paper that said, we believe you, we stand with you. But it only had three signatures on it. And I remember the morning I had dropped my son off to school and he said, my friends and I are going to go in and pass around a petition for people to sign who agree with this young man who are supporting him because we don't like how he's been treated at school. And then he came out that afternoon and he said he was mad. He said they wouldn't let us do it. They told us that they didn't want any more about this incident being talked about at school and we weren't allowed to pass around our petition. So we just signed it and gave it to him. And as I read that article, I thought, this is the young man God sees. Mm. 
Wow. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think it's a good exercise for like me as a teacher as well. You know, I think all of us can relate. Maybe we don't want to admit it or don't want to say, but there's, you know, <laughs> certainly coworkers or students that we have that we're like, okay, I, I know as a Christian, I am called to love this person, but it's difficult, you know? And so I think that's a good reminder to kind of give a, us a check of, you know, God does not see as we see. I think that's a good exercise to ask God to show us maybe something the the way that he sees them. I think that's a beautiful exercise. So I thank you for sharing, for sharing that. The heading, as I mentioned in my introduction for this section of Second Isaiah, is an invitation to grace, which I just love that title. Um, I don't know what what's your definition of grace, if I can ask. Like when you hear an invitation to grace, what do you think God is asking her? Oh my gosh, wanting? I'm not a biblical scholar, <laughs> but to me it is, you know, that that saving power of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. that I don't earn. It's just right. his grace. Which is freely given. Yeah. So then in this passage, like of and thinking about that title and then like your ways are not my ways, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Like, what do you think God is calling? What kind of grace are we being called to maybe receive? I'm trying to connect the two, you know, like trying to. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah so uh, off on the fly, I would say sure. he's <laughs> he's inviting us to learn to think and to see how, how he does. And he's willing mm-hmm. to share it with us. You know, I, I could have said when I said what I really needed was for my husband to get and keep a job and, and said, you're sending more children. What, mm-hmm. what were you thinking? And, you know, again, he saw long-term, he saw mm-hmm. that they would end up fine, that mm-hmm. we would go through some hard times, but it would all turn out fine. And the more I could focus on that, on that eternal mm-hmm. perspective, the more grace I felt, the more I felt that peace. To me, the peace is part of the grace, right? Like in the middle of right. the struggles, you feel that peace that he's mm-hmm. there. But I think it's hard to see. I, I, I don't know. Again, I'm kind of working out like, because I know that I just, I feel like I've always, any guest I have, like the verses, I'm supposed to like get something from it. So I think for me, like... I'm such a planner. And so when I hear, when I hear like your thoughts are not, you know, my ways are not ways, I'm just like, oh, that's so frustrating because I have a plan. And then there's that saying of like, if you want to hear God laugh or make him laugh, like tell him your plans because he's got to, you know, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So like, it's such a, but you're talking about grace and we're talking about grace and that, that peace. Um, it's hard for me to connect the two. Like, it's hard for me to think, well, if you're kind of disrupting my plans, that's like, not super peaceful, you know, but I like what you were saying about inviting me to think long-term beyond what God could just maybe have. And, you know, I'm always thinking of just like in that moment or maybe a little bit long-term, but that eternal, you mentioned, I think like an eternal plan or internal, I don't know how you said it, but it was really interesting. And I I don't know, I appreciated that. So Julia, uh, my first book Mm -hmm. is actually called In His Footsteps, I Gave My To-Do List To God, because that's how Mm -hmm. I gave my life to God. I just mm-hmm. was, here's my plans. I have a plan. I mean, I had, a, I had, you know, your standard 10-year plan and your five-year plan and what am I going to do this month? That kind of thing, mm-hmm. right? And I started um, at one point just taking my to-do list to God every day and saying, what do you want me to do? Mm-hmm. And that also turned out to be scriptural. Again, you know, he doesn't see it the way we see it. He sees a longer-term view. And I was thinking about uh, the Lord's Prayer. In the Lord's Prayer, we say, you know, thy will be done on earth the way it is in heaven. And I'm wondering, do the mm-hmm. angels go to God with her to-do lists and say, <laughs> now here's what I've got planned. Can you help me with it? Or do you think they go to him and say, what do you mm-hmm. want me to do today, God? And mm-hmm. uh, and that is a hard thing to do, especially if you're a list maker and a planner. It sounds yeah. like you are. And I am too. I am. 
Oh, it's very hard. Uh, some days I wouldn't even, I won't even do it. Like, you know, I don't even want to know. I, don't even, I have my own mm-hmm. plans. Um, but when I do it, my life changes completely. I'm much more relaxed and I turn out to be very helpful to people. And I have had to start doing it the night before. Because mm-hmm. if I kind of am in the middle of the night, I'm thinking through what I'm going to do. And I get up, I don't know how you do it, but I start then sort of putting down what I'm going to get done. Then I, it's hard for me to take the lists I've already made and turn it over. But yeah. if I sit the night before and say, here's what I'm thinking of doing tomorrow, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Now, most of the time it's right on. I mean, you have things you have to do, right? You're a teacher, you right. have to be there, you have to grade certain papers, things like that, right? But often, he will just say, don't worry about this, don't worry about that, and things will happen that it wouldn't have mattered if I did it or not. Mm-hmm. And he'll often, I'll have this thought, I need to call a certain person, I need to uh, take a meal to someone, and I, I do that. And over time, he's given me things that, just to write that book, it was, mm-hmm. I want you to start writing down what, what is happening with you every day. And that's how my first book came to be. Wow, I really like you've given me a couple of really good exercises. I think I like that. I like that as a as exercise as well. Like the night before, sit, kind of just like you would with a spouse or a partner, like saying like, "Here's what I got going on this week." <laughs> you know, like, "What do you right. think?" Like, "Can we make this work?" I like that because as a, again, as a single person, like I can kind of do what I want. So I'm like, okay, I don't need to really confer with anybody, <laughs> but I probably should be still checking in with God. So I like that that check in the night before and then being freed up to maybe have those more those god prompted moments that you're describing like calling a friend. I think covid was, you know, obviously terrible. It's been hard. Our lives have been disrupted, but there was the kind of some more space created in some ways for like connecting with friends and, you know, being able to go online and and reach out to people that maybe wouldn't have, you know, we were all at home. So we get to kind of have that that space that we didn't have before. So as we get busy again, I think it's a good practice to try to make space and not fill all of our time up as we go back to quote unquote normal. Well, I think you know? how different would the world be if people just got up and said, what do you want me to do today? God? Like, right. right. We might really have a very different world going on out there. Right. That seems so simple, but I, it just really hasn't dawned on to me until you said in that way, you know, like I definitely try to be open and, and, you know, aspects yes. of my prayer, but I like that practical exercise. Well, especially if you're a to-do list maker. Yes, which I am. Uh, And I get this. I love the satisfaction of like, you know, crossing off those things. It's 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 great. As we wrap up, though, Margaret, what else would you like to say about this passage? Is is there something else you'd like us to to chat about? You kind of shared your story. We've talked a little bit about connections to other passages in the Bible or parts um, of Scripture. But is there anything else you'd like to say? I do think this idea, this really does help me. Uh, Once I felt uh, someone said to me, to, you need to learn to look at things that happen in the light of eternity. And this verse reminds me of that. And I sometimes think, well, 10 years ago, do I even remember what I was worried about 10 years ago? Probably not. Mm-hmm. And 10 years from now, am I going to be worried about what I'm worried about right now? Probably not. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. to begin to look at things with, in the light of eternity helps me to calm down, to slow down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, th- I like what you said. I, I can relate to that. I keep a journal. I think you were mentioning too, like you make your, um, you would write to God every day or, or you were writing about, God asked you to write down 
you know, kind of like your um, right. write to him every day. Yeah. Um, and I do, I journal as well. And it, it would be when I go back and look at like what I was thinking a year ago or two years ago, then certainly I was stressed out about things that, like you said, are not a big deal right now <laughs> in my life. And I'm looking at this whole passage kind of right now, like all of chapter 55, it starts out by us, go like God inviting us to say like, all who are thirsty, like come to the water, you who have no money, come and receive. Like, so he's, he's saying like, come to me and I will provide, you know? And that's kind of, I think how we started this conversation by you saying like, you didn't really know how he was going to provide, but he did. And so I think yes. that that's, that, that makes sense in the context of this whole kind of chapter 55. That's beautiful. Yeah. Right before it's like, seek the Lord while he may be found. Um, but we have to seek him. I think that's the thing is like, if we want to receive, we need to, like you were saying, pray the night before, be open. Um, we have to come to him if we want him to provide, you know, to receive what he's going to provide. Yeah. <laughs> I love what you're doing. I, it feels like a calling to me, Julia, this, the teaching of the youth, the, this radio show or podcast. Thank you. I, <laughs> I really like, I did, I start, started this um, as kind of just something to reach out to people when we were quarantined. Um, but like I said, I do, I get so much out of what my guests share and the verses that they share and um, hopefully the listeners do as well. As we wrap up again, Margaret, uh, you mentioned a couple of projects and things that you've been doing. I give my guests at the end of an episode an opportunity to like plug um, any projects or anything you want us to check out. Well, my website in hisfootsteps.com, I do have uh, information on two of my memoirs. One is, you know, the to-do list. And the other is when we went and served missions, which was basically saying, great, I'm just going to give you my time 24-7. And then I'm working on a third one on marriage. And I have, I send out a monthly newsletter. It's only once a month. And there's a sign up sheet there too. So people could get that. Great. Um, and if you'd like to learn more about me and this podcast, you can follow me on Instagram at seven mile chats. All spelled out is the Instagram handle. I'm also on Twitter at Miss Struckley one. And that's where I also tweet about things I'm doing in the classroom. Also, if you would love to be a guest on this podcast, please reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you and interview you. But Margaret, thank you so much for, for being here and for calling this verse to our attention. I really think it's a, it's a good one for us to meditate on. Thank you, Julia. Bye, everyone.